is the one that controls your destiny. All right? It fashions your destiny, your destiny that has been predestined by God. You see, God, what I find fascinating about what he's saying in the word is that your destiny is already finished. He already knows where you're going to end up. But the problem is, are you going to get to that destiny? That is the issue. So you've got the course that you have to follow. And what effects or affects that course is your choices. So as you make your choices, you affect the course. And as you change your course, you can redirect your course to reach your destiny, which has already been predestined. You see, saints, if you walk in your destiny, you will find your authority. Your authority is in who? In God, through Christ, who's been given all the authority. And if you find your authority, you become authorized. And then you become authentic. Because you stop pretending to be somebody or something you're not. Do you understand? You don't have to be fake. So when you're healing, you heal because what? You've got the authority. If you don't have the authority, you can't heal. You will be one of those people who brings in the acts to convince, to attract, to mesmerize. But there is no healing. It's all lies. Do you understand me? Renew your mind. Okay. So, God, God has given the will to men. And the reason why God gave us the will is for him to be able to direct his purpose and his rulership into the world. That's why you've got a will. The problem with the will is that it gives you a choice. So you can either go with God or go against God. But God has given you that will and he can't take it back. Because he, he himself has a will. Saints, I want you to follow me today. <clears throat> the will is meant to be under self-control. And the power of the will lies in choices. So you can either use it to propagate God's plans for the world or you can deny God to use you as an agent of change for the world whose intention was in gifting with the will to move you into your destiny as an individual and for the common good of man. It's a dangerous and precious thing at the same time. God intended to use it for the glory of, of the kingdom. But again, we, Satan has tended against the kingdom. All right. There's two things that you must understand about the will. The will lives in where? In your mind. What, what, what is your mind? Your mind contains your subconsciousness, your consciousness. Your consciousness is where your thought lives. Okay? The way the will works is that <clears throat> your conscious mind feeds your subconscious mind. Your subconscious mind is under your conscious mind. I need you to follow me here today, all right? Because this is very important, all right? So, essentially, repetition in your consciousness deposits into your subconsciousness. Do you understand, saints? Right. You don't. Who said no? 
Right. <clears throat> so essential fact, what you put in, or rather what you experience in your consciousness is downloaded into your subconsciousness, which it becomes your hard drive. The problem with the hard drive is difficult to erase. Saints, you agree? Because repetition is what deposits into your subconsciousness. So what are we re repeating that gets deposited into your subconsciousness? It's the things that we see, the things we hear, the things we feel, the things we taste, and the things we touch. Those things are repeated all the time. What channels do you watch on TV? What books do you read? What are you exposed to? Because those things are the things that are repeated, repeated in your consciousness all the time. And they get deposited into your subconsciousness. The problem with your subconscious part of your mind is that you can't erase it by will. It will actually show itself at the touch of a button. You know? If you are a habitual abuser of alcohol, you are into drugs, it doesn't take a lot to want the drink. Okay? If you are sexually immoral, it doesn't take a lot to think of going down the street. Do you understand me? You can't control that. But hallelujah, the only thing that you need is a software that can erase your hardware. What is that software? The Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit has to act through the word. It has to express the word and put that word in you. So when you repetitively have the word being repeated in your consciousness, it gets deposited where? In your subconsciousness. When it's in your subconsciousness, you're now erasing the what? The other stuff that was there. It's the only way you can do it, saints. Renew your mind. That's where it starts. Are we together? <coughs> right. So, as I say, if your computer has got a hard drive that you can erase, there's two things you can do. You can throw it away or you can get new software. <coughs> Getting the new software is easier. You see, the conscious mind in itself you can forget what's in your conscious mind, but you can't forget what is in your subconscious mind. Your mind creates thoughts that controls your destiny by setting the course and the choices you make to reach your destiny, as I said, which has already been predestined. In fact, the subconscious mind is the heart that the Bible speaks of. Are you with me? The heart the Bible speaks of is your subconscious mind. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is the man. Saints, <clears throat> we are in a fight for our lives. You are whatever you are in your subconscious mind. So whoever controls your subconscious mind controls you and controls your destiny. Are you with me? So if you don't attend to that subconscious mind, then your destiny is hijacked. Yeah. 
So we have a battle. We are trying to change, but we keep failing because the subconscious mind will not let go. Out of your heart comes the issues of life. So you have to protect your heart, your very being. If you bombard your subconsciousness with the word of God, change will start evolving. So the mind is the battle for your soul. So I want to talk about this thing called soul. What is the soul? The soul basically is your will, your mind, and your emotions. And that's where the devil plays. In your will, in your mind, and in your emotions. You know, emotions, terrible things. You think of something and you think, ah, I want to go kill that man. And you get into your car and you start driving because you want to kill that man. Whether it you are going to get there and fight or whatever. So you run down the road. And uh, your spirit man, who is made in the image of God, starts saying, hey, what you are doing is not right. And you say, ah, well, ah, no, I'm going. But your spirit man keeps saying, no, no, what you're doing is not right. But if your spirit man is not fed in the word of God and the Holy Spirit is not in your spirit man, you will lose. Your fights, to win your fight. The Holy Spirit is important to us saints. Jesus came to bring back the Holy Spirit to men. Do you understand that? Reconciliation of men was by what? Bring the Holy Spirit to men. Because the Holy Spirit is the one that works in men. You're all looking at me like I'm speaking Greek. Do you understand what I'm saying? The Holy Spirit is the one that works in you. When you say Christ is in you, yes, Christ is in you, but he works through the Holy Spirit. Do you understand? So if you ignore the Holy Spirit, you soon or you know, if you ignore somebody, sooner or later they stop talking to you. Do you understand? And you stop hearing them. I remember Kathy posted something once in Facebook, which I found intriguing. She said something like, uh, if your wife stops nagging you, then the marriage is over. And I thought about that and I said, how true. Silence is dangerous. So listen to the Holy Spirit. Hearken to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a thing. It is a he. Do you understand? It's a person. It is part of the Godhead. It's part of the Trinity. It's not just a thing. People say, oh, there was a cloud in church. Did you see the Holy Spirit? That is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a steam. It's not a cloud. It's a person. So don't tell us experiences that are not in the Holy Spirit. We're doing battle today with the devil. We are at war. And the only way we can win this war is when we renew our minds. Right. So, what it comes down to is that your feelings and thinking are in your soul. 
Your decision making is in your soul. The battle of life is in your soul. Junk in, junk out. Amen, saints. Jesus said the one who wins the soul is wise. It's a tough job. You see, saints, winning the spirit is easy because I can motivate you and you can give your life. But conversion, on the other hand, is convicting and changing your soul. Are you with me? So you can sit here and say, oh, I'm saved, but are you convicted? That is the question. Where do you begin conviction? You begin conviction in the word and allowing the Holy Spirit to work in you. If you the Bible says that you mustn't grieve the Holy Spirit because it's trying to work in you, but sometimes we interfere, we intervene, we run away. And that grieves the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us that every sin will be forgiven, but any blasphemy against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. That's how important he is. Since the devil is after your soul, he wants to dictate to your soul and steal your soul. I'm going to try and ask three people to come in front here now. I want a lady and two men. Don't be afraid. Come. I'm not killing anyone. We just want to do a demonstration. Two men. Right. Come and stand here. I want to tell you how the trinity that is in the body functions. The body has got what? It's flesh. It's what? The soul. And it's what? It's the spirit. So you are also trinity just like the Godhead. Okay. Now what happens is basically that uh, she is going to be the soul. Because a woman is a center of emotion. Eh? We go there. We are going to call him the uh, spirit of man. He, on the other hand, is the body. The flesh part. So what happens is that the, the body sees things, feels things through its senses. It sends information to the soul. The soul basically is a, is a mediator. Things go through him. He takes it to what? To the spirit. When he gets to the spirit, the spirit starts saying to himself, okay, what's happening here? If this spirit is not in Christ, it will accept what the body has sent. Are you with me? So, he, this one just goes there, boom. He's down. Alright. On the other hand, if the spirit, the Holy Spirit dwells, the body sends through the soul, the soul says to the spirit, hey, let's continue. The spirit, the Holy Spirit says to the spirit, influences his spirit and says, Tell the body that that is wrong. It is not godly. It's not good. So, to the soul, to the flesh. But what's the problem here? The flesh is stubborn. That's why the Bible says, do not what? 
What does it say? Do not dwell in the flesh. So the flesh has experienced, it's tasted, it's felt, it's, it's, it's thinking, it's touched, and it's loving, it's love, this sensuality. So when the spirit brings back the information through the soul to the body, the body says, uh-uh, uh-uh, I'm not doing it. This is too nice. What happens is then he goes to the soul and says to the soul, hey, what do you think? Should you let the spirit tell us what to do? Because you can feel what I'm feeling. And she will say, yeah, but it's good. Yeah, it's good. And then they connive together and the spirit is left out in the cold. What have we got the sin? Are you with me? So, when God comes in and the Holy Spirit comes in and dwells, Holy Spirit makes an anchor with your spirit and stands like this. Flesh comes, the soul comes and comes in and the Holy Spirit says, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to repent. And what happens? The soul then moves closer to and then leaves the body and the flesh alone. And then the flesh has no uh, choice but to change his ways. Do you understand? But if uh, the Holy Spirit is not there, she stands here. And the devil loves that because the soul is an easy to what? Because it's the mediator. So if you attack the mediator, you can stop the spirit from expressing itself and the flesh wins. You can take a seat. Okay. So that's how we get influenced in the soul. <clears throat> Thank God that the reverse also happens where the spirit, when it's in Christ, can tell the soul to tell the body what to do. And then it puts the body in submission. Are you with me, saints? Right. It's not by power or might, saints. It's by the spirit of God. Okay. Some things you can't move alone. You need the Holy Spirit to inject and interfere and do what it does. Okay. <clears throat> so saints, for you to change the key to your destiny, you need to change the way you do your things, the way you order your day. You know, pastor was talking about tithing last weekend. Um, he convicted me that day. And what's amazing is that I kept thinking to myself, the 10% thing is not only to do with the money thing. We have taken the word of God and turned it round. We sow, we tithe because we want something in return. What's wrong with that? It's your attitude. You are no longer a cheerful giver. You are making God what? What you're making God? You're actually telling God that I'm giving you this for you to return. If you don't return, I'm not going to do it again. That's what you're saying because you want returns. You're no longer a cheerful giver. You're not giving for the work of the kingdom. You're now giving for your own selfish needs. Change your mind. Renew your mind. Saints. You see, the tithing thing goes beyond the money. It comes to the fact that you stop thinking of God as an investment banker. God is not an investment. God didn't come to the world to give you money. Saints, amen. Yeah. 
What did he come to do? To reconcile men to him. Okay, the commission is to what? To be disciples. Not to be what? Money mongers and money changers. If you want money, work for it. Be a better manager of your life. And your circumstances will change. Not everything that happens in your life is God's fault. It's your fault. I want to bring you into another dimension. My brother spoke about it slightly the other day. The fact that God in Genesis, <clears throat> I think it's Genesis 28, where he says to Adam, uh, I am giving you power and dominion over the world. So he gave dominion to men. He didn't say, I will share the world with you. He said, I'm giving you dominion over everything I've created. The fish in the seas, the animals, the plants, everything. And then what happened? <clears throat> God spoke the word. God will not go against the word that he's spoken because his word is what? His truth. And he will, he's sovereign. So he's not going to go back on his word. If he said it, it's done. So here comes the serpent. You see, saints, God, God puts men, your spirit men, into flesh so that you can see and manage the world. He himself couldn't do that because he's spirit. All right. So he needed a man to manage the world. But then he gave you the authority and the dominion to manage the world. He is not responsible for what's happening in the world. It's us. Don't blame God for poverty and for all the things that are happening. It's our fault. The reason why the next person is poor is because we are just selfish people. And we don't give or care for anybody else but ourselves. So, what it comes down to is this. The serpent... <coughs> You see, one thing I want to tell you is that a spirit not clothed in flesh is illegal in the world. Do you understand me? Spirits can, are, are illegal in the world. This is where when you die and your spirit leaves you, it goes. You can no longer enter. So don't waste your time into the matchless. Just wasting your time. Those spirits are no longer here. They are illegal. They cannot operate on the earth anymore. Are you with me? So the devil cunningly, because he was a spirit, borrowed the body of a serpent. And then he attacked Eve. Why didn't God stop Eve from eating the apple? Because he had already given dominion to man. And he couldn't go back on his word. Because he's sovereign. What he says is law and the law that he has given is above him. He himself obeys his law. So at the end of the day, God says to the serpent in Genesis 3.15, he says, ah, wait and see. I'm coming for you. You use the woman against me. I'm going to also use the woman against you. And he says, the seed of the woman. The woman shall be your enemy and the seed of the woman shall be what? Your enemy. Women have got power. Women's month. <laughs> yeah. 
Because he said to the devil, I am going to come in the flesh and influence, change, bring my kingdom back. So Jesus was God incarnate. You see, Jesus was the body. Christ was the spirit. Okay. So Christ is the Godhead that came and dwelt in the body, which is Jesus. So we have a situation now where God can now come back and start influencing the world. But he had to come in a body. Okay, sense? Right. So, what we must understand that man himself is spirit and lives in a body and he has a soul. And God wants to control the unseen world, which is his kingdom, into the unseen man who is in you, who then influences the seen world. Are, you toge- are we together? So at the end of the day, God's desire is to come and use you to change the world. And only you, through your will, can accept or deny him that. Are we together, saints? <clears throat> so do not walk in the flesh to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. What's interesting is that in 3 John 1, 3, the word says, Believe and pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health, just as your soul prospers. So God puts emphasis on your soul. Because that's where he wants to work through. That's where he wants to bring his rulership through. Because he knows. That's why when Jesus spoke to men, he said he was speaking to people's minds. Because he knew that to convict a man, you had to speak to his mind. So as you see, Jesus in all his ministries is actually just attacking the man's mind. He's trying to teach the mind or convict people through the mind. Okay, so Christ is God's medium through which he works. He inter- he's intermediate between man and God. So, the Holy Spirit, when it starts working in your spirit, what it does in its work, it's now basically imposing itself on the soul. And therefore changing the manner in which you behave. But saints, you see, this is where we want to come to the grips with things. How do you change your mind? That's the thing I want to talk about today. Romans 12, 1, 2. Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So what is Paul saying? He's saying that you must submit. That's what he's saying. You must submit. We don't like submitting. Because it hurts. It means it takes away your will. It takes away your very being. But Paul says in him we move. And have our being. Where is your being? 
in Christ. What you're being is your whole self, your nature, your beliefs. Everything you are is in your being. Okay? So you must submit to God's authority and know his truth. What it comes down to is back to the word, like Pastor Zueli was speaking last week. Dwell in the word. That's where God's truth is, and that's, how, that's where the revelation for your life will come from. Not anywhere else. Who are you listening to? Where are you getting your information from? Are you getting your information from men? Are you a Perea and if somebody comes and says, the Lord say this, and you go and look at the word and say, are you calling to Because he says the word is for reproof. Are we together? You are so quiet. <laughs> I hope you are hearing this because it's very important, saints. I'm going to try not making too... Um, So Paul goes on to say that if therefore if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us, given us the ministry of reconciliation. So God has reconciled the world to himself through Christ. But the work of salvation and the work of sanctification is your baby. Are we together? God has pulled you into the kingdom. He's put you apart. He's separated you. He's sanctified. But you still have to work in your salvation. And God is not coming to pull you to church or make you read your Bible. Are you with me? The question now you ask yourself, you see, the Bible says, seek ye the kingdom of God first, and what? All things shall. How do you seek the kingdom of God? In the word. Sorry. The kingdom of God is in the word. If you don't, do you know what the word seeking means? Eh? If you say to somebody, I sought you, it means, I have turned the world upside down. I've called you, all your friends. I have gone to your workplace. I have gone everywhere. I have looked and looked and looked. It is not just looking. It's seeking. So you peruse the word. You meditate on the word. You pray the word. You speak the word. You live the word. James says, do not be doers. Do not be what? Hearers of the word, but doers of the word. Saints, it's a long road to renew your mind. You've got to feed the spirit man. The spirit man can then take control of your soul. If you feed him, but you've got to feed him. You see, you've got a will. God is not going to force himself on you. Saints, most of you think that but because you've given your life to Christ, everything is laid on the table. Yes, everything is laid in the high places. But to get there, you've got to what? For you to grab or grab the things that are in the high places, the treasures, the blessings, you've got to go through what? Christ. And where do you find Christ? In the word. Who is the word? The word is Christ. Okay. So if you don't read the word, you are not in Christ. That's why the Bible keeps saying that be in the word Read the word 
end, it goes on and goes on, especially in John, the word is spoken over and over and again. The word that formed creation, the word that was spoken, the beginning that formed creation, that is the word that you need. You cannot move anything unless you speak in the name of Jesus. The authority is in Jesus. If you want to be... Saints, it's very important. I, I know pastors already spoke about this. But I think one of the biggest problems we're having in the church today is the lack of revival. And the reason why there's no revival in the church, there is no revelation. There's no revelation. Because we're not in the word. We're busy. Tithe, 10%. 24 hours. What's 10% of 24 hours? 2 hours, 40 minutes. Those 2 hours, 40 minutes belong to God. So you cannot tell me that you are too busy. You've been watching soaps for 8 hours and all of a sudden you say you have no time to read the Bible. You have no time to, to pray. Jesus used to wake up in the early morning. He'll go pray for hours and hours and then he'll pitch up. And then the next day, he'll be walking down with his disciples. And then the demons will come and the illnesses and all those things. And will speak the word and things will change. And this, do you know his disciples never say to Jesus, teach us how to cast out demons. Teach us how to heal. What do they say in Luke? I think it's Luke 15. They say, teach us how to pray. Because they realize that this man spent four hours praying. And then it took him 30 seconds to cast a demon. Are you with me? So where is your foundation? In prayer. So if you don't spend time in prayer, you will not move things in the spirit world, in the higher places. Renew your mind. It's all something that you have to do. God is not going to force it on you. It has to be you willing. If you've loved and believed in that much, then you should be willing to change the way you do your things. The Bible tells us that the truth is in Christ and that we have to put your former conduct out. The old man that grows who is corrupt and deceitful in lusts, you must get rid of him. And then you become renewed in the spirit of your mind. So why do we have to renew our mind? Apart from the things I've spoken about, you're a believer. What does Isaiah 40, 31 say to us? But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. How are they renewing their strength? By what? Waiting on the Lord. How are they waiting on the Lord? Spending time with God. You see, saints, <laughs> you must not be attracted to the acts of God, but you must be attracted to the mind of God. Get to know his mind and his ways and his will, and then you'll stay in a situation where you have a relationship which is sanctified in heaven. Okay. Are you tired? <laughs> and exhausted? Because this is something that you need to get into yourself. Saints, it's very important. Okay. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get weary. They shall walk and not faint, says the word. Jeremiah says, 
For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Then when you call upon me and go pray. To do what? To pray to me. He says, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I'll be found by you, says the Lord. What is the condition here? Being earnest, being in prayer, seeking the Lord. Do you know why a lot of people don't attend prayer meetings? Because I know I was one of them. If they say there's a prayer meeting on Wednesday, I think, ah, hey. <laughs> I know I'll pray at home. The reason why we don't attend prayer meetings is because we pray and we don't see anything happening. That's the truth. Amen, saints? We come and pray and pray and we see the world doesn't change, your life doesn't change. And you start saying to yourself, why am I praying? Can I change God? Can I move him? Does God listen to me? Does God care? He's sovereign, so whatever I say, does it really matter? That's the question you ask yourself. And at the end of the day, you get distracted because the devil starts attacking you. He starts giving you misinformation. And you start deviating away from the things of God because you had been told by the devil that it's pointless to pray. So, the thing that you might understand that prayer is a process. The Holy Spirit says prayer is a process. It's not an event. It's a process. God will not give you what you think you are not ready for. Do you understand? You ask for a million rands, but you are not faithful with a thousand rands. He knows that he gives you a million rands, it will destroy you. You may not understand it, but he sees the future. Why does the Bible say you pray for what is in his will? Not your will, his will for you and for the common good of men. So remember that when you pray, when you ask. I remember telling myself one time I was having chest pain and I was thinking to myself, oh God, I'm having a heart attack. And I started panicking. And, and the spirit said to me, the problem with you people, when you pray, you pray and say, Lord, heal me. Lord, heal me. In the name of Jesus, heal me. And the spirit said to me, don't say that to God. Tell him, hey, you need me. You need me. So you have to heal me because I'm the vessel through which you are going to be able to what? To effect change in the world. So it's a change of mind. See things differently. See things in the eyes of the spirit and not in the eyes of the flesh. The eyes of the flesh will mislead you. The eyes of the spirit will lead you to the things that are in the high places. Amen, church. I hope we're hearing each other today. The word is your lamp to my feet and light to my path, says the psalmist. Why do we pray? We pray because whenever God speaks, it becomes law. Whatever he has said, it's now law. God is sovereign until he speaks. Once he speaks, what he has said is now above him. So it's no longer something that can be debated. It's been said, it's been done. 
prayer was created to get the limitation in the word of God. I don't know if you'll get this. Holy Spirit, help me. God cannot come to earth unless you invite him. Saints, you have invited God into the world, into your life. He will not come by himself because he's a spirit. So the only way he can come and change your way is for him to come when you invite him into your life. And you can only invite God by understanding and believing in what you are praying for. That is in his will. The problem with me when I was praying as a Christian, I was never taught how to pray. I just used to bubble my way through things. And I think that's why I always got disappointed because I was expecting so much. <laughs> Prayer is not an event. It's a process. You speak the word. You meditate the word. That's why James calls it a petition. When you, when you, are, when you do a petition, what do you do? You go to several people and say, sign here. Sign here. Sign here. Sign here. It's a process. So when you come to God and you're petitioning him, it's not just say, oh God. Yeah, you know, the Holy Spirit reveals so many things. What's important, saints, is for you to understand what you're doing. All right? Prayer in itself is not just communicating and speaking to God. It's actually a time of solemn worship. Do you agree? What is worship? Worshiping is acknowledging your source. That's what worshiping is. What's praising? Praising is thanking your source for what he is doing. Worship is acknowledging your source, saints. It's not, it's not singing a song and raising your hands. It's acknowledging. You acknowledge Christ in you. You walk in Christ. We are told we must, we are in Christ, so we must walk in Christ. And Christ must be in us. That's when you begin to worship. Because then you are trying now to show Christ in you. You are saying to Christ, I want to be like you. I want to think like you. I want to talk like you. Be with me. Walk with me. And every day you do things, you tell yourself, I'm doing everything to what? To the glory of God. That's worshiping. It's acknowledging your source. Prayer should be our priority. Jesus says in Luke 15, when you pray, what it means is that it's not a something that you can do or not do. When you pray means you must pray. Pray unceasingly. Don't pray these prayers that we do today. Lord, give me a car. I want a house. I want a husband. I want a wife. Those things God already knows. Okay? What God requires is a relationship with you. Where you understand who he is in your life and what he's standing for in your life. Amen, sense. So praying for a car, it's not God's business to go to BMW and get a car. That's not his business. His business is about the things of the kingdom, the rulership of the kingdom, the retention of the kingdom in the world. That is God's priority, not your BMW. 
renew your mind prayer prepares us for ministry in many ways through prayer we received the authority that is given to us to achieve our destiny we get authority we get authorized and then we become authentic we are no longer false people we are not pretenders we are not sunday people we are seventh day people amen saints thank you jesus i'm going to wrap this up now so there's a lot of things that are elemental in the manner in which we renew our minds one of the things is obviously you know fasting is part of it where you consecrate your time with god and we need to spend time with god and unveil the things that he has for us in the kingdom so it's important for you to understand that you're a spirit man and through your, only your spirit man can change the way you do your things and the way you are uh, in the world and the way you behave so i want to impress on you today that in 1 corinthians 2:16 the bible says who has known the mind of the lord that he may instruct him but we have the mind of christ do you understand that you cannot instruct god you can petition god we have the mind of christ do you know i always think what what christ was praying about he was god why would god pray why and then i keep understanding that you know this was something that is beyond just the saying of words can i have three people here i want to demonstrate something today i'm full of the spirit of god three people come here don't be afraid come 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 eh same people are coming all the time eh some of you are glued on the chairs <laughs> maybe we should sing a praise song <laughs> right I want to demonstrate something to oh god she's come as well thank you all right guys let's look at how god functions okay god the father god the spirit i mean jesus god the spirit so i am here i'm praying yeah, lord thank lord lord god and what happens i'm coming now to the throne of god and i'm praying and i'm exalting him and saying anything and where am i standing as i pray with the what the holy spirit what is the holy spirit the bible says he intercedes with groans and mornings for us so i'm standing in the holy spirit and saying lord god almighty and then what happens he goes to christ and says hey dr mazabani is praying he's saying this and this and this and this and this and christ says no no he is saved i delivered him he is working on his salvation Christ goes to God. Says God, eh, Brian is praying and I I I I I believe his intentions are, are good. You've separated him. He's working on his holiness. And and God says, "Okay, I've given you all the authority on earth. You can go and deal with him." He, she comes back. Holy Spirit, go to your thing. 
Are you with me? That's how it works. Okay. I'm going to let you go and sit down. I'll leave these two here. Right. You are going to be John. You are going to be Jesus. So what happens? Jesus is coming all the way from Cana what is it? Uh, Galilee. And he's going to John. John is where? In the, in, in, in the, in the dam, baptizing. So this is God. Jesus is God in flesh. He has the power in him already. He doesn't need to pray for it. It's already in him because he is God. He's sovereign. But he's come into the world in flesh. And so what does he have to do to perform in the world? He has to get authority to do that. But what has God done? God has already given authority to what? To John. What did he say to Isaiah? There's one coming who's in the wilderness preparing the way for the Lord. That's John. Okay. So Jesus realizes that this man has already got the authority. I don't have the authority. I've just got the power. Power without authority is illegal. This is why we are being fooled by so many churches with false power. So, what does Jesus do? Jesus, who is God, who's got power, he comes to the spirit, I mean to, to, to John, I'm not going to let you kneel down your dress very smartly. But he kneels before John and John says, no, 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 this is wrong, I can't baptize you. He says, hey, we are doing what has been ordained in the word. And the reason why he, he rebuked him was because he knows that for him to go into service, he has to get his authority from John. So what happens? He comes and kneels before John and says, John, baptize me. John baptizes him. Three things happen. What happens? The windows of the, of, of the open. The dove comes and rests on him. The Holy Spirit comes and ministers to him. In the form of a death. Third thing, we hear the word of God. God says, this is my son. Listen to him. Now he's been given the authority. Go sit down. No, you stand. Don't stand there. So what happens is that he's been given authority. And then what happens? The Holy Spirit says, come over here. So wilderness 40 days. The only reason why Christ could defend himself against the devil was because he'd been given the authority and the power that was in him has been released. Are you with me? So if you face the devil and you don't have the authority and the power, you will be in trouble. So you've got to seek face the authority. The power, thing, power is just the ability to do things. That's all it is. You can sit down. So at the end of the day, what's important for you to understand is that there are processes. I didn't come. <laughs> Praise God. I don't remember asking anybody that I should come and preach. I never did. Because it wasn't something I actually thought about. I knew there was something I should do, but I wasn't sure in myself that I could do it. You see, in a church like this, you have 
seasons and situations where you will assess and be with somebody and work with them and so, so, so until you anoint him as a pastor is that not right but sometimes God does what he does in his own time and I thank God for the fact that he has given me this task to be able to stand before you today and share in his word I just want to close with a word that I think touches my heart Galatians 2.20 Paul says I have been crucified with Christ it is no longer I who live but Christ lives in me and that life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself to me so when you live in the flesh you do it by faith your faith is coming through your spirit, where your Holy Spirit is with your spirit. And he is the one who basically is magnifying God through your life. Because everything that you do, God glorifies himself. Whatever he does in your life, he's said to glorify himself. I'll stop here today. I just want to pray. Father, Lord God, I thank you, Father, for this message today. That your Holy Spirit, Father, has ministered, Lord. Father, I thank you for the fact that we know that, Father, for the only way to change ourselves is that we must hear the things of the word, the things of the kingdom of God. And that that word that we've heard will be deposited in our soul. And that our soul, oh God, will be changed by hearing these things. So that when the soul transmits this information, the spirit, spirit will say, Abba, Father. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.